I'm really excited to be talking again to Dr. Joel Wade, a psychotherapist who's focused on positive psychology and the author of The Virtue of Happiness. Joel has previously consulted with our company and uh, on a number of topics. We work very hard to provide opportunities for people to grow in their roles and contribution and we are always trying to get better as coaches and you can think of Joel Wade as a bit of a coach's coach. So we're going to interview Joel this afternoon. If you follow the Triple Win Workplace podcast, you've heard from Joel Wade once before. This is the second interview with him. So Joel, first of all, thanks a ton for being here. It's great being here. Thanks. And uh, when, when you and I last spoke, you were talking to a few of us in a recent meeting about what's the starting point when you're trying to coach somebody, when you're trying to help move someone from point A to point B in a, a given area of focus. What, what, what do you start? I think the most important thing is to start by working to be in attunement with the other person. So you want to listen, you want to pay attention and uh, hear what they're saying and be curious about their internal world and what they're bringing and so you're really hearing not just what their specific topic is but also uh, paying attention to things you know about them that are strengths that I like to look for the best within people and kind of encourage that out so if you're looking at if, if somebody even before you're starting you're looking at them as sort of weak and helpless and frail you're going to have a hard time helping them get to a better place. If you start by, you can acknowledge, we all have strengths and weaknesses. You don't have to pretend something's not true. But if you're looking for, okay, what are the resources this person has? What are the strengths and the, the gifts and the capabilities they have? And you're speaking to that part and, and looking for that, then you're going to have a place to stand and a place to help them come to, but it all starts with attunement with them. Everything good that can happen starts with attunement. I think I've heard you say once before, you look for the best in the person, even if they don't see it themselves, and I know you, you credit that, that language to someone else, mm -hmm. but, but keep going on that thought. Yeah, that was something I learned from Nathaniel Brandon. That was actually probably the most important thing I learned from him, is that he looks for the best within people. Uh, and you try and, and bring that forth. Even if they don't know it's there, you seek to sort of encourage, coax that part of them out. I would think that that approach gives you, a, you're a much more welcome guest yes. at the coaching table, and I bet you get better results than people who aren't thinking that way. Is that an, is that, have you yes. seen that to be true? Absolutely. As you do a better job of yeah. thinking that way, you tend to get more... Yeah, uh, because, because it's not me doing it. It's, it's me sort of helping them to experience and sense and, and know the strength within them, which is ultimately what they need to solve whatever problem it is. It's very much like like healing in a, a medical condition. Whatever medicine does, it's helping our body's own uh, immune system or, or healing abilities happen. A, a doctor can't 
fix your body without your body's immune system and natural healing happening too. So if, if you start with the premise that the person has what they need within them and then you're more or less a guide and, and a coach to help them find those resources and maybe open up to new applications and new understandings. And we've talked about that sort of empowering people. I think you touched on that just a second ago, right? This is a way of awakening people's own sense of their own possibility. Yeah. Can you keep going on that thought? Yeah, and, and because we're very complicated critters, uh, and our internal world is very complex and, and rich and, and deep, and there's a lot going on inside. And, and yet we can focus on very few negative things and get caught up in those and miss the richness within ourselves. So as a coach, part of what we're doing is helping the person access the rest of themselves and, and access the strength and the resources, the good things, the good people in their past, the things that they might be grateful for, the things that they've earned the qualities they've earned in their life and helping people connect with those you get some really wonderful surprises because that's when the big aha moments come for people or the small aha moments or the, just the understanding that oh yeah I, I guess I I did this over here so I'm a person that can do that and so maybe I can apply it over in this new situation now so you're, you're looking to enhance their awareness of their positive reputation with themselves. And when, they have, when, they, when a person's connected with that, there's a lot more possibility for them than, than you know, we might otherwise know. When you, when you met with a group of us last, you started with an interesting statement. If I've got this right, you said, we start with stereotypes. Mm. meaning uh, just a partial picture of a person, right? Yeah. And that's, and you weren't saying we should be ashamed of that. That's natural, no. but we have to recognize. Can you keep going on yeah. that thought? Yeah, it's, it's, it's one step. I mean, we, we all do that. When we see somebody for the first time, we get a, a glimpse. We have a little snapshot of them, and we make yeah. assumptions. And it, it's sort of the, the process of orienting to somebody. So there's nothing wrong with that. It's totally natural. It's what we do. The problem comes when we stay there, when we, when we don't move beyond that. If we understand that the stereotype or the, you know, the first impression we get is just an initial snapshot and there's a whole world to explore beyond that. And if we keep curious and interested then we get to know the actual human being that's, that's with us rather than staying stuck with just the stereotype sort of cardboard cutout that we have. So come with a little humility and, yes. and genuine curiosity yes. and understanding that there's a lot more going on in this person's mind than anything you can imagine. And how do you, how do you then go to the stage where you were talking about before, where you yeah. try to help awaken those, that consciousness of their own strengths? Yeah, I, I think of it, if you can think of each individual as an actual culture within themselves, it's a, it's a different territory. Uh, we're so different on the inside. 
uh, we, we have plenty in common as human beings, of course, but our internal worlds are, are, are very unique to each one of us. And if we can have the kind of curiosity like an explorer going meeting a new culture of people, you wouldn't just say, oh yeah, I know what that is. You'd, you'd be interested in what are, what are your ways, what are, what are the, your rituals, what are the things that you do day to day. If you can kind of bring that spirit a little bit to every human being you meet, yes. uh, it becomes much more interesting and exciting to, to get to know people. So you've talked before about the importance of a growth mindset. Mm. So when you are trying to help awaken that consciousness of our strengths and our own possibilities, how important is a growth mindset in the person that you're trying to help? Well, it, it's, it's very important because the, the alternative is, is what Carol Dweck calls a fixed trait mindset, where you're basically assuming that, that everything you're able to do is based on skills you came into the world with, just abilities, just natural inborn abilities. And that creates a f very fragile sort of self-concept where if I, if I fail at something, it's not just, you know, oops, uh, you know, I, I guess I didn't study enough or I didn't prepare enough or, or I don't understand it well enough. Let me, let me see what I can do about that. It becomes sort of an existential dread. And, and so it, it's, it's as though I'm failing as a person. Yeah. When really this is just a specific task or something that I failed at. Whereas a growth mindset, I'm in contrast, I'm looking at everything as a learning possibility, a new experience. And so if I fail at something, then I go immediately to, hmm, that's interesting. I wonder why I failed at that. What, what would I do differently in order to do better next time? So that's and what a growth it, mindset yeah. means. It's that that not a feeling of, of permanence or failure, but as that this particular outing didn't work, so therefore what do I do differently? Yeah. And, and how do you know that you know that pretty quickly when you're working with somebody, I can imagine? Yeah, the, the difference is, is tangible and, and emotional because with a fixed trait mindset, you basically come to a place where you dread any kind of challenge, you avoid challenges, and uh, you, you tend to give up easily because if you fail, what's there to do? It's my inborn trait that, that failed. Whereas a growth mindset, you tend to be more resilient. You tend to have more of a sense of grit and follow through because, okay, I failed, now great. I get to learn something new that'll make me stronger for the next time. So every challenge becomes an opportunity to learn and grow and, and be better next time. When you notice I'll bet your radar is very good. I bet you're very quick to say, okay, <laughs> this person doesn't seem to have that growth mindset. Mm -hmm. it, at what level of deficiency in that do you say, this is probably not a good investment? Or, and also, do you have some tricks, or not tricks, or isn't yeah. the word, but do you have some techniques to reawaken a growth mindset? Well, fortunately, this is one of the things that's very malleable. So changing right. from a fixed trait mindset to a growth mindset is, is one of the easier things to do psychologically, emotionally. And, and first of all, probably none of us is absolutely in a fixed trait or absolutely in a growth mindset. If you think of the things that, 
that you enjoy, that you do well, that you you look forward to doing, you probably have more of a growth mindset with those. If you look at the things you tend to kind of dread and stay away from, they might not be important elements of your life. But if you look at them, you probably find you have more of a fixed trait mindset for those. I had a, a situation where uh, our kids love languages and they learn them very easily. I always kind of had a hard time with language and I was feeling how limited I was with that. Then it dawned on me, how many hours did I actually spend studying language and practicing pronouncing a different language? You know, it was a very tiny amount. How many hours have my kids spent? Thousands now, you know, hundreds when they were younger. I mean, they spent a lot of time at it because they enjoyed it. So if you have a fixed trait, the things that you avoid or don't spend much time at, uh, you can shift that by recognizing that it's a fixed trait. So the moment I, I understood, oh, that's how I, that's just an idea I have about me and language. I'm not very good at language. That's a fixed trait mindset. Well, I haven't done a lot to grow my language ability, but I don't have that same, I know I could because I've recognized, oh, that was just a fixed trait mindset. So the big thing is recognizing, what am I avoiding? What, what do I not enjoy doing? What do I uh, dread challenges with? And just explore a little bit, you know, hmm, am I expecting that I'm just rotten at that or that I'm good at it but I don't want to test it? Once you recognize that, you can just keep coming around and, and bringing your awareness to it and you can shift into a growth mindset. So how do you, we're not all equally good at everything. Mm -hmm. I'm a, uh, I like golf and I'm terrible at it. Yeah. And uh, how do you apply that? When do you know, okay, <laughs> I've tried. Yeah. <laughs> I seem to have plateaued. <laughs> and when, do, when, when are you, I, I guess here's a question and maybe a hard one to answer. How do you know when your problem is lack of a growth mindset and how do you know when your problem is you're actually bad at golf? Well, there's, it, it matters how much it matters to you. So like, for example, I haven't, you know, since I've discovered this fixed trait mindset around languages, I haven't gone out of my way to learn languages because it's yeah. not, in my priorities, it's low. Um, if golf was very high on your priorities, then I would explore it and and You think there might be still it. something, if it were a priority, there might still be something yeah. there more yeah. than I'm giving it credit for. Yeah, because yeah. there's probably, uh, if you're limiting yourself, you could probably get at least more enjoyment. Your score might not improve terribly, but you'd get more enjoyment and, and you'd have that in your life. How do you know you, the, a challenge in a profession like yours is your success depends a lot on what's going on in the mind of the person you're coaching. Mm. How do you know what's getting through? Oh, that's a good question. Um, the, I, I guess the big question is I don't. <laughs> but actually, that's not true. I, I do from, from what changes in their life. In terms of their, their thinking, and I never know whether something specific I say has a specific result. But I can tell if they're happier, more engaged, more effective, 
those are the kind of things that show up when when people open up to their own growth possibilities and, and so and that can take a million different forms depending on the person I think you once said uh, most people in these discussions have something else going on mm. which makes it harder to understand yeah what's getting through yeah yeah so we even when you know somebody really well there's still a whole vast country you don't know about their internal world and it's not that they're hiding anything or you know you're not you know close but there's just so much so it's likely that you don't have the whole story when you're talking with somebody and uh, so you, you kind of have to go with what what they're telling you and what you see and what you uh, if you've been coaching people for a long long time then you can start to rely on your gut a little bit your intuition because effective intuition comes from skills and practice and, and experience over time. It doesn't, it's not just a mystical thing. So you have to look for the signs of understanding. Joel, we've seen some people who are invested in supporting other people and in coaching other people get dragged down by mm. it. At some point, it begins to overwhelm the coach even. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about that. How do you recognize that? How do you keep that from happening? Yeah, well, it's, usually that happens because you're trying to fix the person and, and you're putting the, the sort of the responsibility for their positive change and growth on yourself when it, that's kind of like a doctor putting the responsibility of the other person's immune system on themselves. I mean, you can do what you can, but it's, it's really the person you're coaching that's doing the growth and the change. And what you can do is do your best, bring your best to facilitate that, make that easier for them, uh, you know, plant seeds, you know, ideas, questions that help them elicit their best to, to bring to the situation. So if you think you need to make them better, then you're going to be burnt out really fast because you just don't have that. You don't, we don't have that kind of control over one another. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't have that power. Uh, but we do have influence, and our influence can be tremendous and benevolent and, and very significant, but we don't have the power to, to make the other person better or make them grow. And so that's the biggest source of, of sort of burnout and overinvestment. It's also a matter of, of paying attention to your own internal process and where you need your boundaries. Uh, so as a coach, it's really important to, to not overdo it. If you're exhausted, you need to honor that. If, you're, if there's, you're dealing with something really awful yourself, you might need to reschedule. There, there's just ways that you need to hold your own boundaries, uh, kind of like a lifeguard. You know, if you're, if you're going to rescue somebody and they're pulling you down, it doesn't help them for them to pull you down. You need to disengage from them and then come at them a different way in order to save them. So you, you need to take care of your own boundaries and your own uh, emotional needs too. Joel, we are in the change management business. We, we who lead groups in our company, we're always in continuous improvement, which means we're always in change management mode, uh, not only for our groups but for ourselves. And it's interesting to think about the boundaries of 
when are we coaching and when are we sort of insisting? So just to make a, a, a silly analog, analogy, let's say we're baling hay mm. or I'm baling hay and I hire three people to come bale hay with me. Mm. I can't spend a year trying to coach them and motivate them to bale some hay with me. I'm writing you a check, right. so bale some hay. Um, right. And yet on the other hand, uh, when we are, there, there's a certain legitimate expectation of performance that just is a part of the transaction between an employer and an employee. But on the other hand, most of our jobs here are pretty complicated. We have lots and lots of people who are good personnel, very good at their jobs, and we're trying to improve with the margins. Mm. We're, we're mainly coaching often on soft skills, like better, more empathetic listening, or actually more effective listening, or working mm. at department boundaries, and that's something that's hard to mandate that's a that's where the the sort of coaching comes in yeah so how do you harmonize and i think we talked about this right you can say look here's the new way of thinking about your job and it's almost like a sports coach i'm I'm, your x's and o's on my chalkboard Mm. how do i and we can't get away from that this is the new structure this is the new system how do we make it explicit yeah you may feel like chess people were moving around but on the other hand, we understand that some of these moves may be challenging for you, and how do we engage in a, in a very healthy way? Yeah. How, how does that conversation go well? Yeah, well, it, it depends on the person, of course, because uh, change like that can be very disruptive, you know, depending on the person and the situation. Um, and the best you can do is be compassionate and, and understand that they may be feeling that way but also that this is the necessity of the, it's the structure, you know, they change rules in, in sports all the time, you know, to make the game faster or more interesting for spectators and businesses have to change rules and, and structure in order to, you know, improve their bottom line and their, and their productivity and their creativity. So understanding that, yes, this is necessary and high expectations are necessary and, and a very positive thing for people's well-being uh, and having compassion that, yeah, this is going to be challenging for you and we're here for you to a degree and you want to supply the resources and, and the, the, the means for them to do their job well and to make the transition well as best as you can. And that's, that's really what you need to do. And some people are, are you know, it's not going to work for, and, and you'll lose them. But I think most people, if you give them the resources and the tools and, and the compassion to help them find their new way with the new expectations, I think you know, most people are going to step up for it. If you were observing someone who's trying to be a coach, mm-hmm. Uh, what are the main things you'd be looking for mm-hmm. if you're so you're essentially by this podcast and through some of your visits you're coaching coaches mm-hmm. so if you watch people who are trying to help other people mm-hmm. what are the things that you are mainly alert to or noticing the the most important thing is are they listening or are they talking so are, are they are they telling the person what they need to do or are they pasting on their their shtick onto them that's not going to go anywhere. Uh, but are they listening? Are they curious? Are they genuinely curious about this person? Are they are they interested? Do they do they like being together with this person uh, enough 
you don't have to they don't have to be your best friend but you you need to like the person enough to be able to engage with them and and listen to them so that's that attunement is so much of the the growth process because that's where we get into the part of our nervous system that is in our higher brain and and can connect with another person and that can be more creative is in that place of attunement with another human being it's really kind of fascinating how healing just that is if you did nothing else just that sense of being understood yes. just that sense of being heard yeah so I'm a lot more you as the coach are a much more of a welcome guest yeah in my office if I'm getting that vibe from you yeah, yeah. and of course that's not all you do but that's the essential piece if you have that the rest of it is is much easier to you know there's a lot you can do within that uh, it's sort of uh, it makes everything else possible without that nothing's possible wow yeah. yeah so there's a lot of literature on coaching there are a lot of techniques but uh, I think you're covering the vital few mm. and I think Joel you embody the vital few very well just when you're from your approach so you're a good uh, a good exemplar of this what else would you like to say uh, I just I think it's there's something very rewarding about uh, being supportive of one another and being interested and curious it makes a, a good rich life and, and a fun life and uh, when, when I talk with people about relationships I think okay you you want to have uh, kindness curiosity and playfulness if you have those three you're in a good position in, a, in terms of your relationship. A lot of things are possible, a lot of things, expansiveness is possible with that. Thank you, Joel. My pleasure.